0: Chapter 5 of Anne of the Island by Lucy Maud Montgomery. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sweet Pea. Chapter 5. Letters from Home. For the next three weeks, Anne and Priscilla continued to feel as strangers in a strange land. Then, suddenly, everything seemed to fall into focus. Redmond professors classes students, studies, social doings life became homogeneous again instead of being made up of detached fragments the freshmen instead of being a collection of unrelated individuals found themselves a class with a class spirit a class yell class interests class antipathies and class ambitions they won the day in the annual arts rush against the sophomores and thereby gained the respect of all the classes and an enormous confidence-giving opinion of themselves for three years the sophomores had won in the rush, that the victory of this year perched upon the freshman's banner was attributed to the strategic generalship of Gilbert Blythe, who marshaled the campaign and originated certain new tactics which demoralized the sophs and swept the freshmen to triumph. As a reward of merit, he was elected president of the freshman class, a position of honor and responsibility, from a fresh point of view at least, coveted by many he was also invited to join the lambs Redmondese for lambethede a compliment rarely paid to a freshman as a preparatory initiation ordeal he had to parade the principal business streets of kingsport for a whole day wearing a sunbonnet and a voluminous kitchen apron of gaudily flowered calico this he did cheerfully doffing his sunbonnet with courtly grace when he met ladies of his acquaintance charlie sloane who had not been asked to join the lambs told anne he did not see how Blythe could do it and he for his part could never humiliate himself so fancy charlie sloane in a caliker apron and a sun giggled priscilla he'd look exactly like his old grandmother sloane gilbert now looked as much like a man in them as in his own proper habiliments anne and priscilla found themselves in the thick of the social life of redmond that this came about so speedily was due in great measure to philippa gordon philippa was the daughter of a rich and well-known man and belonged to an old and exclusive bluenose family this combined with her beauty and charm a charm acknowledged by all who met her promptly opened the gates of all cliques clubs and classes in redmond to her and where she went anne and priscilla went to phil adored anne and priscilla especially anne she was a loyal little soul, crystal free from any form of snobbishness. Love me, love my friends seemed to be her unconscious motto. Without effort, she took them with her into her ever-widening circle of acquaintanceship, and the two Avonlea girls from their social pathway at Redmond made very easy and pleasant for them, to the envy and wonderment of the other freshettes who, lacking Philippa's sponsorship, were doomed to remain rather on the fringe of things during their first college year to anne and priscilla with their more serious views of life phil remained the amusing lovable baby she had seemed on their first meeting yet as she said herself she had heaps of brains when or where she found time to study was a mystery for she seemed always in demand for some kind of fun and her home evenings were crowded with callers she had all the bokes that heart could desire for nine-tenths of the freshmen and a big fraction of all the other classes were rivals for her smiles she was naively delighted over this and gleefully recounted each new conquest to anne and priscilla with comments that might have made the unlucky lover's ears burn fiercely alec and alonzo don't seem to have any serious rival yet remarked anne teasingly not one agreed philippa i write them both every week and tell them all about my young men here i'm sure it must amuse them but of course the one i like best i can't get gilbert blythe won't take any notice of me except to look at me as if i were a nice little kitten he'd like to pat too well i know the reason i owe you a grudge queen anne i really ought to hate you and instead i love you madly and i'm miserable if i don't see you every day you're different from any girl i ever knew before When you look at me in a certain way, I feel what an insignificant, frivolous little beast I am, and I long to be better and wiser and stronger. And then I make good resolutions, but the first nice-looking manny who comes my way knocks them all over my head. Isn't college life magnificent? It's so funny to think I hated it that first day. But if I hadn't, I might never have got really acquainted with you. Anne, please tell me over again that you like me a little bit. I yearn to hear it i like you a big bit and i think you're a dear sweet adorable velvety clawless little kitten laughed anne but i don't see when you ever get time to learn your lessons bill must have found time for she held her own in every class of her year even the grumpy old professor of mathematics who detested codes and had bitterly opposed their admission to redmond couldn't floor her she led the freshettes everywhere except in english where anne surely left her far behind anne herself found the studies of her freshman year very easy thanks in great part to the steady work she and gilbert had put in during those two past years in avonlea this left her more time for a social life which she thoroughly enjoyed but never for a moment did she forget avonlea and her friends there to her the happiest moments in each week were those in which letters came from home it was not until she had got her first letters that she began to think she could ever like kingsport or feel at home there before they came avonlea had seemed thousands of miles away those letters brought it near and linked the old life to the new so closely that they began to seem one and the same instead of two hopelessly segregated existences the first batch contained six letters from jane andrews ruby gillis diana Barry, marilla mrs lynde and davy jane's was a copperplate production with every t nicely crossed and every i precisely dotted and not an interesting sentence in it she never mentioned the school concerning which anne was avid to hear she never answered one of the questions anne had asked in her letter but she told anne how many yards of lace she had recently crocheted and the kind of weather they were having in Avonlea, and how she intended to have her new dress made and the way she felt when her head ached ruby gillis wrote a gushing epistle deploring anne's absence assuring her she was horribly missed in everything asking what the redmond fellows were like and filling the rest with accounts of her own harrowing experiences with her numerous admirers it was a silly harmless letter and anne would have laughed over it had it not been for the postscript gilbert seems to be enjoying redmond judging from his letters wrote ruby i don't think charlie is so stuck on it so gilbert was writing to ruby very well he had a perfect right to of course only anne did not know that ruby had written the first letter and that gilbert had answered it for mere courtesy she tossed ruby's letter aside contemptuously but it took all diana's breezy newsy delightful epistle to banish the sting of ruby's postscript diana's letter contained a little too much fred but was otherwise crowded and crossed with items of interest, and Anne almost felt herself back in Avonlea while reading it. Marilla's was a rather prim and colorless epistle, severely innocent of gossip or emotion. Yet somehow it conveyed to Anne a whiff of the wholesome, simple life at Green Gables, with its savor of ancient peace and the steadfast abiding love that was there for her. Mrs. Lynde's letter was full of church news. Having broken up housekeeping, Mrs. Lynde, had more time than ever to devote to church affairs and had flung herself into them heart and soul she was at present much worked up over the poor supplies they were having in the vacant avonlea pulpit i don't believe any but fools enter the ministry nowadays she wrote bitterly such candidates as they have sent us and such stuff as they preach half of it ain't true and what's worse it ain't sound doctrine the one we have now is the worst of the lot he mostly takes a text and preaches about something else and he says he doesn't believe all the heathen will be eternally lost the idea if they won't all the money we've been giving to foreign missions will be clean waste that's what last sunday night he announced that next sunday he'd preach on the axe head that swam i think he'd better confine himself to the bible and leave sensational subjects alone things have come to a pretty pass if a minister can't find enough in holy writ to preach about that's what what church do you attend anne i hope you go regularly people are apt to get so careless about church going away from home and i understand college students are great sinners in this respect i'm told many of them actually study their lessons on sunday i hope you'll never sink that low anne remember how you were brought up and be very careful what friends you make you never know what sort of creatures are in them colleges outwardly they may be as white as sepulchres and inwardly as ravening wolves that's what you'd better not have anything to say to any young man who isn't from the island i forgot to tell you what happened the day the minister called here it was the funniest thing i ever saw i said to marilla if anne had been here wouldn't she have had a laugh even marilla laughed you know he's a very short fat little man with bow legs well that old pig of mr harrison's the big tall one had wandered over here that day again and broke into the yard, and it got into the back porch, unbeknownst to us, and it was there when the minister appeared in the doorway. It made one wild bolt to get out, but there was nowhere to bolt except between them bow legs. So there it went, and, being as it was so big and the minister so little, it took him clean off his feet and carried him away. His hat went one way and his cane another, just as Marilla and I got to the door. I'll never forget the look of him, and that poor pig was near scared to death. I'll never be able to read that account in the Bible of the swine that rushed madly down the steep place into the sea without seeing Mr. Harrison's pig careering down the hill with that minister. I guess the pig thought he had the old boy in his bag instead of inside of him. I was thankful the twins weren't about. It wouldn't have been the right thing for them to have seen a minister in such an undignified predicament. Just before they got to the brook, the minister jumped or fell off the pig rushed through the brook like mad and up through the woods marilla and i run down and help the minister get up and brush his coat he wasn't hurt but he was mad he seemed to hold marilla and i responsible for it all though we told him the pig didn't belong to us and had be- been pestering us all summer besides what did he come to the back door for you'd never have caught mr allen doing that it'll be a long time before we get a man like mr allen but it's an ill wind that blows no good We've never seen hoof or hair of that pig since, and it's my belief we never will. Things is pretty quiet in Avonlea. I don't find Green Gables as lonesome as I expected. I think I'll start another cotton warp quilt this winter. Mrs Silas Sloan has a half, handsome new apple leaf pattern. When I feel that I must have some excitement, I read the murder trials in that Boston paper my niece sends me. I never used to do it, but they're real interesting. States must be an awful place. I hope you'll never go there, Anne but the way girls roam over the earth now is something terrible it always makes me think of satan in the book of job going to and fro and walking up and down i don't believe the lord ever intended it that's what davy has been pretty good since you went away one day he was bad and marilla punished him by making him wear dora's apron all day and then he went and cut all dora's aprons up i spanked him for that and then he went and chased my rooster to death the Macphersons have moved down to my place she's a great housekeeper and very particular She's rooted all my June lilies up because she says they make a garden look so untidy. Thomas set them lilies out when we were married. Her husband seems a nice sort of man, but she can't get over being an old maid, that's what. Don't study too hard, and be sure and put your winter underclothes on as soon as the weather gets cool. Marilla worries a lot about you, but I tell her you've got a lot more sense than I ever thought you would have at one time, and that you'll be all right. Davy's letter plunged into a grievance at the start. Dear Anne, please write and tell Marilla not to tie me to the rail of the bridge when I go fishing. The boys make fun of me when she does. It's awful lonesome here without you, but great fun in school. Jane Andrews is crosser than you. I scared Mrs. Lynde with a jackie lantern last night. She was awful mad, and she was mad because I chased her old rooster around the old yard till he fell down dead. I didn't mean to make him fall down dead. What made him die, Anne, I want to know. Mrs. Lynde threw him into the pig pen she might have sold him to Mr. Blair. Mr. Blair is giving fifty cents apiece for good dead roosters now i heard mrs Lynde asking the minister to pray for her what did she do that was so bad anne i want to know i've got a kite with a magnificent tail anne milky bolter told me a great story in school yesterday it is true old joe mosey and leon were playing cards one night last week in the woods the cards were on a stump and a big black man bigger than the trees come along and grabbed the cards in the stump and disappeared with a noise like thunder i will bet they were scared milky said the black man was the old harry was he anne i want to know Mr. Kimball over at Spencerville is very sick and will have to go to the hospitable. Please excuse me while I ask Marilla if that's spelled right. Marilla says it's asylum he has to go to, not the other place. He thinks he has a snake inside of him. What's it like to have a snake inside of you, Anne? I want to know. Mrs. Lawrence Bell is sick too. Mrs. Lynde says that all that is the matter with her is that she thinks too much butter insides. I wonder, said Anne, as she folded up her letters, what Mrs. Lynde would think of Philippa. End of chapter 5